0: Hello, I'm Taylor O'Neill and I teach digital analytics at Miami University. Welcome to whatever this is. What I wanna do here is encapsulate in a shorter form the readings and concepts from the introduction to digital metrics class that I teach. Uh, This is for those of you out there who uh, maybe don't have time to get to every bit of the readings and still need some of the conceptual underpinnings there to move forward in the class. Or for those of you who learn in more of an auditory fashion or just want to hear it a few different times in a different way, uh, and also have a convenient way to listen to it on the bus or something like that. So uh, with that, let's get started. Seth Godin is an incredible marketer and writer. He has a number of very interesting books. My favorite is Lynchpin. For this class, uh, the most important blog posts um, that is relevant to the subject at hand is avoiding false metrics. So there are a number of examples he gives and they all lead to the definition at the end, which is a useful metric is both accurate and that it measures what it says it's going to measure and it's aligned with your goals. So for example, if you were to train to climb a mountain and you were using a fitness tracker to track that, Uh, every day and you are trying to get to the number of steps or miles uh, that is a metric and then if you were to cheat and just maybe put the Apple watch on a cat and have that cat run around the city for it to count for you that would not be accurately measuring your steps but perhaps accurately measuring the cat's steps Uh, but that wouldn't really be aligned with what your goals are. So the goals for you would be able to climb the 12,000 feet up to the top of the mountain, and it would not be getting you any closer to that. So it's important to keep in mind, not only do you need to be accurate in measuring uh, what the metric is, but it has to be aligned with what you want for the business. In the book Lean Analytics, it discusses what makes a good metric. One of those things is that a good metric is comparative. So just on its own, knowing that you have 2% converting to a sale on an e-commerce site or 1% clicks through an email doesn't give you enough information. So having that be comparative to those other time periods or groups gives you more meaning than just knowing uh, one number. Another thing that makes a good metric is being understandable so if it is simple enough that we can communicate it well it'll allow us to have people remember that discuss it and help us make the change in our organization that we're asking for one more thing that makes a good metric is that it is often a ratio or a rate so if you'll think about in social media just knowing the number of likes on one post is useful information, but it's not as powerful as what it could be if it was a rate. So if you knew that the average likes per post for a particular influencer was 1 million, that is actually much more powerful because now you can go to a sponsor or uh, an advertiser of some kind and give them that information, and that's a lot more valuable to know than just one post that they did one time had 1 million likes. So having it be that ratio or a rate elevates the metric into something much more useful. A good metric also changes the way you behave. So this is really where the value comes into play. So if you know a key metric about your organization and what customers mean to you, for example, if you were a cell phone company and you knew the lifetime value of a customer was say $800, then you would know you definitely should not spend more than $800 acquiring that customer through advertising and email marketing and billboards and things like that. So you have a very powerful number there, and you know what you can spend up to that point uh, to make it worth it. So you've probably come across this before in almost any other class or discussion around research or surveys or anything like that, but qualitative versus quantitative metrics where the More descriptive metrics that are unstructured and harder to aggregate are the qualitative metrics, and quantitative metrics are obviously those involving numbers and statistics and are a lot easier to aggregate and report on. Where it gets a little more complex is here with vanity versus actionable metrics. So vanity metrics are those that make you feel good for making them go up, but don't actually change how you might act and what decisions you would make and how you would spend differently or change different things on a website or anything else uh, as a course of action. So the idea here is, for example, downloads is a common uh, vanity metric. It's an important one to track, but that doesn't mean it's the one you should uh, pay all the attention to and have everyone rally around creating. Uh, For example, you could create an app that gets everyone excited to download and millions of people download it. Uh, and then it doesn't keep everyone hooked more than three days and they don't use it any longer. So while you rallied around that metric and you felt great that all millions of people downloaded your app, they didn't stick around. So a better metric uh, that was actionable could be uh, found instead. Another key distinction is exploratory versus reporting metrics. Exploratory metrics are speculative, and you are looking to combine variables in ways you haven't done before to uncover some new insight about what's going on, versus reporting metrics, or those that are automated and you have set up and that describe what's happening that you already know the process in. Another key distinction is leading versus lagging metrics. So leading metrics are really important because they give you a heads up of what might be happening in the the future versus looking backwards in the past. So most financial metrics are lagging metrics, sales, profit, revenue, things like that. A leading metric would be what would let you know that those are are to come. So signing up for a, a new app or something like that may be a good leading indicator that you may have subscriptions coming and the next two weeks after the trial expires. And you know that generally a certain percentage of those people convert from the trial to a subscription. So that makes it a leading versus a lagging metric. One of the most important concepts in all of research, science, and analytics is correlated versus causal metrics. So metrics that change together are correlated, but if one metric causes another metric, they're causal. It's incredibly important to point that difference out because you might be observing things in the data and they both seem to have a relationship with each other, but it is actually not necessarily the case. It's important to dig a little bit deeper and understand what's just happening at the same time and maybe there's another variable that's causing the other one to go up. So for example, I joined the travel industry not too long ago since then the travel industry has been pretty much decimated. So the joining of me to the industry is correlated with its destruction. So while that is true, I firmly believe that it is not a causal relationship and that there are other things that happened in 2020 that are the causal metric that is driving the destruction of that industry. At least I like to tell myself that. So there are a number of eight vanity metrics that are pretty common out there. Uh, But I want to preface that with a vanity metric can still be important and good input into what you are presenting as part of the full data story. Uh, But usually these are not ones that could rally all of the different groups of your organization from accounting to finance to marketing and everyone together uh, to drive the business in an appropriate successful scalable fashion so w- while you may see these as like oh like i think those are important they, they are and usually there's something that's deeper and more important to focus on as the number one metric uh, so watching out for only relying on the number of hits which is page views uh similarly uh the first one is a little bit out of date Uh, because page views is a little bit more unique uh, to... So if you don't just click refresh on the same page, they're going to deduct that from there as well. Um, So the visits uh, is a little bit better, but still not great. So you're down to the person uh, visiting. Unique visitors is even better, but still a little rougher. Uh, So you do know they're unique, but were they relevant is uh, more important. So it's getting a little better around followers and friends and likes, um, but are those followers and likes useful in in any way? Are they just random likes that never see the page again? Uh, So that's also a vanity metric. Uh, Time on the page, uh, that's not a great proxy for what you really want, which is true engagement. Are they having a, you know, trouble reading the copy you wrote and it's unclear and it's taking them a long time to understand it Uh, that's a pretty common one in e-commerce when you get through a checkout flow for insurance or or phones or something like that Uh, hopefully you could simplify that and make it easier for the user so time on the site is not a great engagement metric either unless maybe your youtube and you're charging based on the uh, advertising revenue that they're seeing so it depends on the context for sure Um, the emails collected that's, you know, can be super valuable, uh, to have that, um, but knowing if those people are relevant to, uh, the business that you're operating and if they'll open and buy and things like that. Uh, and the one I mentioned earlier is the number of downloads. So while it's great, if you can get a lot of people to download the app, if that is your only metric, you may be setting yourself up for a bit of an issue. I would look at more. Uh, metrics around onboarding new users and having them successfully uh, stay with the program for multiple weeks and months. So one thing I want to cover is this interesting framework on the things we know and the things we don't know and how it breaks it down between facts, questions, intuition, and exploration. As we really move towards more and more powerful automated analytics solutions where these tools already have the reporting metrics laid out and the ones we know are traditionally focused on and the ones we should optimize for, our skill set in being able to add value as employees and operators of these companies is going to be pushed more and more towards the questions and then exploration of things in new ways. So the value in life, even beyond analytics, is uncovering the things that you don't know you don't know. And that's where you get a lot bigger boost than just minor changes and how you might optimize uh, an email in the way that has been done for the last 20 years. So that really gets the true value of what we can offer to the world as it's changing and evolving uh, into a new structure of how we interact as professionals. So to wrap up, to know if something's a good metric, you want to ask if the metric will predict the business outcome that you're trying to achieve, will it engage the enterprise will it align everyone in those different groups with a common goal and does it enable you to take action based on that clear metric thanks for listening I want to keep this short and sweet so let me know what you think and more to come